Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You know I'm right. Episode 47 right here in the zone with Nick Durst and Joe Calvaris. And Joe, we're gonna we have a lot to get into, but I want to start off. I don't want to be talking about the games too much, but Jets looks like there's a great chance they're gonna get the first pick in the draft. Giants with their win, they're now a game out of the first pick, but they're also a game out of first place. Have you ever seen anything like this in football? No, and it just goes to show you how inept and not good the NFC East is. And, I mean, we look at last night's Monday Night Football game with Dallas. Uh, I mean, most people thought that game was going to be at least somewhat competitive, uh, and it turned into the total opposite. It was never competitive at any point. Uh, A lot of people were saying that Andy Dalton was one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, which I think he is. That's Yeah, it's definitely still a fair statement. Uh, But he does not play well in primetime games, and he never did. Uh, And likely at this point in his career, he's probably never going to. So Yeah, but uh, Ezekiel Elliott was atrocious. He was atrocious. Uh, But again, I mean, even though he was atrocious – I mean, they got their doors blown off. You know, there was good. Well, we like, we no like, we're big Kyler Murray fans, right? So, I mean, that's right. He's electric. When you're when you're losing games by more than we'll say three or more scores, uh, you have more problems than any one player. And I was told for years that Jason Garrett was the problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, yeah, a lot of eight and eight seasons, but no. Sub-500 seasons, except for that one season where Tony Romo got hurt early in the season, and they went 4-12, and and that was the draft that they eventually picked Zeke Elliott uh, fourth overall, and then they got Dak Prescott later in the draft. Uh, But Jason Garrett, over a period of 10 years, finished under 500 once. And in Mike McCarthy's first season, looks like he's probably trending to the point where they're probably going to go, what, 7-9? That's not good. You know, I was told for years that Jason Garrett was the problem. And granted, while I don't think he's a really great coach, uh, doesn't seem like he was the problem. What's the problem with the Jets? And what would be the point of firing the coach at this point in the season? Uh, The whole effing operation. That's the problem. Jexit. Just exit being a Jets fan. Well, the the core issue for the Jets is that uh, when the last GM was here, he did not have a good draft whatsoever. He drafted two good players, uh, and we came. We come to find out that one of them, who was later traded to the Giants, uh, is actually capable of, of sacking the quarterback, which I couldn't believe my eyes on Sunday when I saw him get into the backfield multiple times again. Uh, but yeah, so when you're drafting in the top 10, you know, there's an expectation that you're supposed to hit on guys, right? So the Jets... I mean, Leonard Williams was a good player, but he was never really good for us. He was just kind of like an average guy. 
and then Jamal Adams, right? Uh, and then outside of that, the Jets just have not been able to draft or acquire any piece of talent. Give it up on Donald already, Joe. Well, I don't. I I can't blame him because this 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 team. So that he should. They said you should put him in there. You should say that it was a good draft pick by McCagnan. Then. I mean, it was the obvious pick, but if we're looking at Sam, right, with everything around him, I mean, Joe Flacco's played the last two weeks. The Jets have scored ten points and they got shut out this week, right? The Jets uh, need a culture change. Joe. They the need top. a culture change. What's up? They need a culture change. I mean, they they need a lot of things. Do they need Woody Johnson to come back? They need the, the 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 number one thing is that they just simply need talent. They don't have any talent. They have let's all right. I'll, right now, we'll say they have two talented players: the quarterback and the left tackle. Other than that, it's a mess. There's nothing else elsewhere. And how many Jets, guys? How many guys on the Jets, if released today, would actually find themselves on a team tomorrow? Honestly, maybe four or five. That's being generous. I think somebody would pick up Frank Gore just because of who he is. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. about it. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, Owen sixteen would find a job. You think Owen sixteen's a possibility? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I mean, before. When we were talking about this a few weeks ago, I told you their best case scenario is two and fourteen, and they would have to be probably Denver, uh, maybe the, one of the Miami games. I mean, Miami's good now, uh, so it doesn't look like they're going to win one of those uh, Miami. The games. only games I could see them winning is week uh, sixteen or seventeen. They got the Browns and the Patriots. If both teams are out of it, if any of those teams are out of it by then the Jets could sneak in a win. Like if the Browns are eliminated or the Patriots are eliminated from the playoffs, that's what I think the Jets could, could sneak in a win. Cause I think, I think they wait until at least December to fire Adam Gase. Cause honestly, like he's doing exactly what you want him to do as Jets fan, right? Lose games. You don't, you don't want him, you don't want him to start, you don't want him to start winning games. But uh, I think with the way he had his, his big comeback last year, he definitely, uh, you know, deserves to at least coach through this month. I, I don't see what, what, what's the point of, what would be the point of letting Greg Williams be the head coach? How about Greg Williams? This guy calling out the offense. I mean, that's not the right thing to do, Joe. That's what I'm talking about. This, the Jets need this culture change. Greg Williams, he wants to be head coach. It's never going to happen. He just, he's, not, he's not capable of leading a team in that regard. So he, he's not going to be the head coach. Maybe if they fire Adam Gaze, he'd be the interim. But who, who are you looking at as a Jets fan as to who you want to be? The next head coach. Do you bring back Todd Bowles? Do you bring back Rex Ryan? Maybe get Hugh Jackson because no. he's used to that lose. They're used to that losing culture. Uh, or do you just give me up for that hot shot offensive coordinator like like Joe Brady, who probably ends up with the Bengals and reuniting with with uh, with uh, Joe Burrow? Or you got Eric Bieniemy? Or do you just want to get somebody who has some experience as a head coach like Bill O'Brien? Well, to be fair. Bowles, now that I see what he's doing in Tampa Bay, I think he's a better candidate this time around. I mean, I wouldn't bring him back, obviously. You know, it just didn't work out with the Jets. Uh, But he strikes me as somebody who's going to get another job and be better the second time around. Uh, So with that said, they uh, they absolutely need to go uh, with another offensive coach. It's not Adam Gase. Uh, because this offensive genius, his offense has been bottom third in the league for the last five years and is the worst in the league this year. 
uh, atrocious. Their scoring pace is on pace to be worse than it was when they were 1-15 under Rich Kotite, which is something that's crazy to think about now. Bring back Kotite. Mrs. Kotite, our, our middle school <laughs> teacher, would be very happy. Why don't you tell the folks listening to the show our relationship with Rich Kotite? Oh, uh, so his wife was our English teacher in middle school, which was a joy and a treat, to say the least. Um, she was a little strict. The department chair. Us a lot, but he, uh, she ended up having Rich come in one day. Really? Not for my yeah, class. It was towards the end of the school year. I don't know if it was the exact last day of school, but it was definitely the last week. And, and you were wearing your Jets jersey, uh, I'm sure? I wasn't. Uh, that was funny. Uh, but yeah, so he ended up coming into class one day. And I mean, at the time, you got to remember, like we were a little smaller in middle school, right? Just a little bit smaller than we are now. So when he came into that room and we saw the size of him, we were like, what? Because at the time we knew who he was, like we knew he was the Jets coach and we knew he was like the bad Jets coach from the 90s. You know, he just we, good, we good player that, with that, the Eagles, though. Right, but he, he yeah he did have success with the Eagles, so he wasn't like wasn't like the worst head coach in, in history. It was just not a good tenure with the Jets whatsoever. Just two bad years. Uh, but who do you think is the worst head coach in history? Um, how do you? Uh, I mean, I think he's a good coach, not as a head coach. So how do you not go Hugh Jackson? Who in yeah, two years? In two years, mind. he had one win. Hugh Jackson, obviously the. The Pat Shermer popped up into my head, Ugh. too. McAdoo was pretty bad, too. But again, this is just us. We're in our New York bubble here. Right. But Shermer is a really good offensive coordinator. Really good on one side of the ball, just not a good head coach. Just a, just a disaster in his time with the Giants. Uh, totally but yeah, the, the yeah. Jets, they need to get someone who's a loudmouth and can shake things up. You know, that's why Rex Ryan was such a good fit. With the Jets, they needed that, uh, and maybe you look back yeah, now and you like, say, "Why did they fire? Why did they fire Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan when they did?" Well, I think uh, at that point there was no real progression happening in the organization after a couple seasons. So I think in their mind they were just like, "Okay, Rex was not." I don't think they they fired like they got rid of Rex, thinking like, "Oh, you're the problem here," uh, you know. I think it was just trying to just move in a different direction, try to move in a fresh direction. Uh, I think most people who are Jets fans kind of acknowledge the fact that Rex Ryan was a, even though he wasn't great at the end, he was overall just a success as a Jets head coach because, uh, yes, he talked a big game, but the the personality carried over. Obviously, the players loved him having uh having him as a head coach. He had success here. No Super Bowl appearance, but he ended up making back-to-back AFC Championship games with a really good defense, a good running game, and Mark Sanchez, who we later came to find that Sanchez just couldn't stick in the league. Uh, he never really got a second chance to, 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 to be a starter, which goes to show you how impressive those wins, and especially those playoff wins by Rex Ryan, are in hindsight. Right. Uh, but he was a... Defensive coach, Bowles was defensive coach. They finally decided to move in an offensive direction with Gase, except his offensive expertise stinks. His offense stinks. Uh, we've seen Ryan Tannehill go on and lead the undefeated Tennessee Titans and basically be a perennial MVP candidate uh, since he took over that job 
last season. We've seen Kenyon Drake be very good. Uh, basically, everybody who's still in Miami, like Devontae Parker uh, and Mike Izicki, having success without Adam Gase. So we have enough intel at this point to know that every skill position player over the last two or three years or so who had worked with Adam Gase previously has gone on to be more productive and a better player away from Adam Gase, right? So we have enough information right. that says Adam Gase is simply not so, a good option. So how would, how would it, you as a Jets fan feel if they get someone along the lines of like Doug Marone as their next head coach? Because that's what it always seems to trend as with the, yeah, with the, no, with the I Jets. Liked, so I think we're, we're too close to somebody like Bill O'Brien – and to me, Bill O'Brien would end up being just like kind of similar to like what Mike McCarthy is. I know Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl win, but again, you, you have that Super Bowl win with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so to me, he's not really a guy you touch. Uh, to me, Doug Maroney, I think he's a fine fit because a lot of what happens in Jacksonville uh, is definitely stuff that's beyond. Yeah, I remember the Jets almost hired him uh, instead of Bowles. Right. Uh, I don't know if they would have been that much better off because their quarterback was still, at the time, Josh McCown, and, and they had Ryan Fitzpatrick for that one year that they went 10-6. and six, And, uh, again, there was just nothing really ever established in place. Uh, the defense on paper then is probably marginally better than it is now. So, uh, to me, they need to go in an offensive direction again. And I personally believe that among the guys available – uh, the best options are probably the the first-year options, right? So uh, you mentioned him before. Obviously, he's the popular name, but I think Eric Bannemi would be such a, a really great fit in New York. Uh, that's that's the, the direction that I think they need to go in because we've, we've seen it happen uh, with Dallas, right? There's no guarantee that if they hire somebody who had a job previously, that guy's going to have success uh, in their current situation, right? Uh, and the best guy available, I think, for that would have been Ron Rivera. But obviously, Rivera took a job with Washington uh, very quickly after he lost his job in Carolina to Matt Rule, who has been fairly solid, you know, so yeah. far three and three. Uh, Joe Brady's another really great candidate, but I think. How about Jason really Garrett for the Jets? No, absolutely not. Uh, I think Garrett is a. I think Garrett's a solid coach, but he's just simply not what they need. They how need about a, How about a college guy? I mean, it's very possible. Harbaugh? They try to get Harbaugh? Okay. Urban Meyer? I think Harbaugh is the rare case where he's the better NFL coach than he is college coach. Because I think when you when you look at college coaches, you have to take into account. You have to recruit. You have to uh, do all the stuff on the uh, the other side of the aisle, which is uh, like the academic stuff, right? Uh, to me, the Harbaugh hire at Michigan just kind of seemed like a uh, – a, like obviously like a a legacy type of hire, mm -hmm. uh, and again I think Harbaugh's success in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick and making the Super Bowl I just think he's better suited to be a pro coach I think before the end of his career I think he will end up coaching an NFL team. Do you think? Uh, do you time. think Urban Meyer ever goes to the NFL? Because uh, I think you got to keep an eye on him with the Texas Longhorns. I, I could think I could see Texas trying to hire him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that would be a really tremendous fit. Uh, but I would love Urban Meyer. I think he, uh, I think he's had inklings of of going to the pros. I, I'm sure 
pro teams have definitely called him and said, hey, listen, can we at least get you in for a meeting? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's at least at some point happened. But, um, but yeah, so it's gonna, it's definitely has to be an offensive guy. Uh, I don't mind going into the college ranks to find the head coach. That seems totally okay with me. Uh, obviously, uh, Brian Shaw from Stanford is another guy who's just – his name's always uh, running around in circles for – I could definitely see Bill O'Brien getting a college coaching job if he doesn't want yeah, to wait. I agree with that. I, I could see a major program uh, going after him for sure. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and then of course, like, you know, you're mentioning before the Cowboys, they're dreadful. Uh, AT&T Stadium, it doesn't seem like they'll be hosting any Cowboys playoff games unless they, of course, if they win the division, they'll get, they'll get the host, they'll get to host the playoff game. Uh, I think, I really think the NFC East winner could have six wins this season. And obviously we discussed maybe AT&T Stadium being used as a neutral site, uh, bubble stadium. If that's the case though, that might, really impact Conor McGregor wanting his fight against Dustin Poirier at AT&T Stadium. Because if they're hosting some uh, football games there, how are they going to host in the stadium that big UFC fight? Uh, of course, McGregor said it. Jerry Jones said, I'm all for it. And maybe that gets done. Because I'm pretty sure Conor, Conor McGregor, people would still come, to even despite what's going on in the outside of the world here, would come see him fight. And I'm sure Dana White definitely wants to get some fans back in the stands. So what do you what do you think about that whole scenario? And are you surprised at this point that UFC hasn't even moved to like some sort of outdoor venues where they can host uh, a big crowd, or is it just too difficult to do UFC outdoors? No, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I don't think it's hard for them to do it outdoors either. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh... So the reason why this fight has a lot of appeal is Conor McGregor previously fought Dustin Poirier. Uh, I think it was – no, I'm sorry. It was six years ago. Uh, and McGregor won, and that was kind of one of the fights that uh, McGregor won early in his career that basically started his ascent to being like the guy, like the draw in UFC. Uh, but, yeah, so obviously Conor uh, and his camp – See, at this point, he's just going to keep feigning like, oh, retirement, right? It's not a real retirement. It basically means that something's on the table and he wants something more out of Dana White. Uh, and in this case, obviously, uh, they want to do this fight uh, at a, a significantly m- much larger location, uh, potential lo- location for them to have more success, which would be AT&T Stadium. Uh, now, granted... Uh, we've seen AT&T Stadium used for certain events, uh, such as like the Final Four. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like AT&T Stadium, it, it's, it hasn't really been used to its, its fullest capabilities since it opened up. Uh, and I could also think of the one year that they had the NBA All-Star Game there. You know, But other than that, there haven't been really too oh, many. They had a Super Bowl events, there. Boxing and, and UFC and stuff like that. WrestleMania? So, yeah, well, WrestleMania 2 is a, is, a, is a good one. Um, but, I mean, that's – how long has this place been open? It's been open, what, uh, you know, 10-plus years already. And I don't know. It just feels like for, for what this, this Mammoth Stadium is, you know, there should be, like, one or two big events there happening every single year. And the best event that we usually get is, what, the uh, the, the Cotton Bowl right now? 
Uh, right. I mean, they had a Super Bowl game. there, so they have, right. they, they have plenty. They, they open every college football season with a game there. Yeah, there still could be more stuff, uh, but it makes sense. For imagine it. if imagine if uh, New Jersey had the wherewithal to actually build a good stadium. How much stuff they could be doing in, in New Jersey at the Meadowlands? The biggest waste of freaking money, taxpayer money ever, was the the one point six billion dollar aluminum can that they built in the freaking swamp can you imagine like the thought process going behind that stadium and not even not even at least exploring the option of putting a roof or like a retractable roof on it especially yep. when you live in especially when we live in like new jersey right i mean uh, think about obviously the roof here, there if they had here. a roof joe they'd have the super bowl every three years every four years no doubt about it uh and even I forget Melly for a, a second. I don't know why the Mets nor the Yankees wanted a roof because just think about the amount of concerts they could put on in these places in the winter, right? And right now they're just so limited to like these, these venues, and that's why the Barclays are so successful because they're a little cheaper than Madison Square Garden. And the same thing with Prudential Center. So that's everyone doing their concerts. You see, WWE used to run their shows out of the Barclays and Prudential more than MSG because it's cheaper. Uh, so big, huge missed opportunity by the Mets, Yankees, Giants, and Jets to build these stadiums with roofs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, for baseball, it's a little bit different. Uh, but definitely when we're talking about MetLife Stadium, uh, the potential that was there, especially because space, not even an issue there. Like the parking lots, if anybody who's been there knows the parking lots are gigantic. They're huge. It's a little bit of a headache to get out at the end, sure. But for the most part, there was such enough space there. Uh, there was a, more than enough to at least explore the option of putting like a roof there or to put some kind of structure like overhead and Chocolate maybe keep, should have. Yeah, right. Or you could do something like Miami did, where um, you know they they put the kind of the, the 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 construction on top recently that they did. That that's not even a terrible idea either. But there was so much more that you could have done and they just built this like very generic very like and I you, said, look at, you look at you look at like what what the what the Rams and chargers did and you look at what the raiders did and what the falcons did and you're like and the vikings i think the giants and the jets are like the last stadium to be built under the last era of stadiums because right you're never going to see anything as as uh as vanilla as that ever again no they, I mean, they just wanted something that was, I guess, built in a very quick period of time. Uh, obviously, the the plans when they knocked down the old Giant Stadium and, and put up MetLife, that was just really, really... It was a very quick uh, forward plan, and it was put in motion very, very quickly now that I'm looking back on it. But again, just such incredibly short-sighted thinking when it comes to MetLife Stadium, terrible. And because of it, you know, the best case scenario is maybe you get a Super Bowl every, what, 10 years, 15 right. years? And maybe. You, get, you get WrestleMania every 10 years. And you get WrestleMania. But Vince, Vince is, he's a genius. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, we've had two WrestleManias here. And well, it's the like New York the, market, so the, that's why. Yeah, the, the, the weather for both of the days, during the day was really good. At night, it was kind of like cloudy and overcast and not really the greatest, but it didn't matter. Two uh, successful shows, two shows that got 80,000 people. Uh, Vince don't care. He'll come back to New York. He'll come back home 
Uh, COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. He's home every five to six years. It seems like that. You got it. You got it. You have no choice. Right. And at WrestleMania, looks like they're going to try to move WrestleMania for 2021 to Tampa uh, because the WrestleMania plans in Los Angeles... At SoFi Stadium, there's probably not going to be allowed to have any fans there. So, of course, Vince wants to break the attendance record, and he's going to be able to have the opportunity to see what the Super Bowl is in 2022 first, because uh, that'll be in February, and then he's going to decide to do try to do WrestleMania in April or March, and then whatever the record is for attendance for Super Bowl, he'll make sure to put enough seats to to surpass that big time, and. Once again, Vince McMahon wins big there as long as they're able to to do all that. Because it looks like Tampa is going to be like, yeah, whatever. Just go ahead and pack the stadium. I don't care. We don't care. Uh, do WrestleMania outdoors. Well, again, two trains of thought, right? The WrestleMania, uh, the original scheduled date, I believe, is March 28th, right? So we're looking at this roughly Six months from, you know, a little less than six months from now. And by that time, you have to, I guess, play it by ear and see how many people are you're expecting in the stadium. Because if January comes around and California is like, nope, we're still going to have everything locked down, then that becomes an absolute no-brainer to, to move it out of there. Uh, I think at this point with what we've seen from the NFL, you're seeing these stadiums that have capacities of upwards of 60, 70, 80,000. You're seeing essentially a quarter of, of the stadium filled with both uh, people who are working and staff and, and people who are there at the stadiums, right? So from what we've seen, uh, we've seen fans at least have an okay go at it and able to attend these games so for Vince if you're if you know that we're having events right why not move it out of LA and and unfortunately they definitely had really major plans this year and they were going to probably incorporate the Hollywood aspect into it and try to get the rock into play Uh, but but there's no there's actually no sense to have the rock wrestle unless it's in front of a packed stadium right and and if it if he's going to do it then Obviously, you want him to 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 shine under the brightest star possible, which would be obviously a a huge WrestleMania. Nothing, nothing, nothing would be worse. I can't think of anything much worse than WrestleMania in a Thunderdome with the fake noise and the fake. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's happening. I think they're gonna. They're at least the very least going to find a place to do it outside, and and they'll probably do it with. My guess is that I don't think they're gonna get full capacity for a WrestleMania. But if they do move it back to Tampa, 
uh, in in the football stadium there, I could definitely see a case where like half the stadium is filled at least. If not, maybe three quarters. Yeah, that'd be good. And I think at that point, so the capacity in stadium in Tampa is like seventy plus thousand. So uh, if you do half the stadium, that's still roughly thirty, you know, to forty thousand people. Uh, And I think. Again, you have to think like Florida. Obviously, they they basically said, "Okay, we're just going to open up our stadiums to everybody." So, if that's what it is now, uh, and we we navigate the next five or six months, you know, by the time March comes around, I think the perception uh, of of having people, especially that many people in the stadium, I think a lot of people are going to kind of come around to it a little bit, you know, because again, at some point we. You, we're okay. We have to protect people as much as we can, but also uh, we need to, to at least gain some resemblance of normalcy again. Well, you know, we we really need to see the original WrestleMania 36 match at WrestleMania 37. That's going to be John Cena versus the guy the company's named after, Elias. What does WWE stand for, Joe? Walk with Elias. And Elias was absolute rock star on Raw. What a concert. I mean, that what was just... Concert. Very like, impressive. I love his old album, so I'll give the new one a chance. Now it comes out next week. Uh, Jeff Hardy, as you mentioned, he thought he was going to say, it wasn't me, and that happened. Well, now they're going to have a match at Hell in the Cell. Uh, but yeah, I think John Cena versus Elias, it's three, four years in the making now. So i certainly like to see that. Uh, but John Cena, the married man now, Joe. I don't know. Do we, I don't know if you think we see him wrestle anytime soon? Yeah, no, I, I believe he will. Uh Again, he seems like he's at that stage where he's done full-time. He'll come back every now and then. Uh, so what they did at WrestleMania with uh, the Firefly Funhouse instead uh, was really a success uh, because they did a really good job early in the year with those cinematic matches. All of them were fairly good in their own right. Uh, there was definitely a lot to like about each one of them individually. Uh, and obviously John Cena being the, the the ultimate hype man for WWE that he is, uh, he was tremendously proud of what they were able to pull off uh, with the cinematic matches, especially the Funhouse match that he did on such short notice. Obviously, they only had relatively just a few days to to all you know put that together and shoot it. So again, he's not coming back full time. You know, I think he's he's re- really really done with WWE in that regard. That said, obviously. He's still a big star. Obviously, the WWE is still his home. Obviously, he's still going to want to come perform. Uh, I don't think he's very close to retirement. I still think he's got at least one or two really good runs left in him. And, you know, like, if Vince called him today and said, I need you on SmackDown this Friday, John's going to be there. Like, he's going to be there. Right. Yep. That is absolutely correct. Uh, And I believe that's probably how it works. I think Vince at this stage is okay with letting John go and, and do as, right. as much as he does. And even, same thing, a, I know he's at AEW right now, but if Vince called Jericho and was like, hey, like we need you, like they had that same relationship, like he was going to be there. Remember, he was going to come fly in the day of to replace Shane McMahon in his tag match with Daniel Bryan versus KO and Sami Zayn. Like that, right. I mean, there's, there's a, and he was going to do it. Um, I guess they're a, little, do it. they're a little murky on their relationship now, but... Uh, there's certain I guys. I think it's murky. I just think it's one of those things where. But yeah, if Jericho called up Vince tomorrow, I was like, "Hey, I want to come back. I want to have a big WrestleMania match. Let's get it working." It's gonna have to happen. Like, and he would he would want to give him a hug. You know, that's just the way Vince McMahon is. See, the the issue now is that when you work for another company, 
Uh, Chris Jericho is such an integral part of WWE. Definitely one of the greatest, you know, three, four, five intercontinental champions of all time. Uh, one of the most popular superstars ever, both as a face and a heel. Uh, universal rock star. Uh, tremendous mainstream appeal. Definitely of all of the names of the Attitude Era that are still going, he's obviously definitely still one of the most popular. 30 uh, years of Jericho. 30 years of Jericho. But now, uh, you know, it's like they can't promote him in any way because he works for the other company. He's the, you know? face, just, he's the face of AEW. I don't care yeah, what you say about work. the elite, but it, it, without Jericho, I don't know where they'd be. No, obviously. You know, he gave... He gave that that company a little extra kick in the the uh, the butt that they needed, but again for the WWE they just can't do it, right? So, you know, tying this up and bringing it back to Cena, uh, again Cena is basically one call away, even though Vince is okay with where he is at this point in his life and and doing movies now and TV shows and commercials and just becoming a, another really huge crossover mainstream star. But it's like I said, uh, Cena still has the love for the business, and it's very evident that. Cena is going to at least uh, at least try to have one run a year, whether it's it lasts a month, whether it lasts two months, whether it lasts three months. Uh, it definitely seems like that's the direction that he's trending in, kind of similar to what they do with The Undertaker. Obviously, Cena's star I can't, power. I, can't, I really miss that. You know, that we would have got that really big, cheesy, like, John Cena welcome everybody to the Thunderdome. First, first time in Thunderdome. Like, that would have been the opening segment, of course, if John Cena was still full-time. Well, they've done uh, they've for all intents and purposes. Uh, even though the Thunderdome is not perfect, I think they've done a good job with it. And I think at the beginning, I was kind of iffy on how they were going to use the fans and like the the crowd and then the interaction in regards. I'm surprised to you haven't been in the Thunderdome yet. I have not. But Goldberg and Ric Flair have been in there, and Birdie and Bree. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it's just it's a really really nice touch. When Daniel Bryan is out there cutting a promo and you see Bree and you see Birdie, it's a really great touch there when you see Kofi and Xavier uh, in the ring on Raw having a promo and then they have a match and then you see Biggie front and center, you know, right behind the camera in the in the crowd, you know, cheering them on. I think and then uh, when uh, they did the 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 Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee match uh, and then when they did Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns on Friday Night SmackDown, Mark Henry was in the crowd for both, right? So having that wrestler there in the audience, like to me, it sells it just a little bit more. It adds a little more credibility to it, uh, and I think it, it it's 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 much better when you're watching it. Uh, you know, when they had Daniel Bryan cutting the promo, the first thing I noticed was that is that Bree, and then you know, sure, maybe you know, ten seconds later, uh, Cole and Graves were like, "Oh yeah, look, it's it's uh, Bree Bella and Birdie in the crowd, you know, chanting on you know their 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 dad uh, and." Yes, to me, it was just a really nice touch. Uh, I think that was definitely one of the things the Thunderdome was lacking. So now that the the stars are doing it, uh, it makes it a little little bit of an easier sell for me. Again, it's not perfect. You know, it's never going to be perfect. Uh, But under the circumstances, I think at the beginning, uh, there was kind of questions about it. Now that I'm that that I I saw it, actually, the now that I've seen the WWE use it over the past two months, I think it's been a solid alternative. Basically kicks the the you know what out of having the shows at the performance center. Not that they didn't they didn't do a good job, but having the shows at the performance center, there's only so much you could do with that. You know, uh, WWE needs the energy of the fans, and you know we've said this previously on a podcast. Uh, and I think the Thunderdome, at least at the very least, substitutes some of it. Doesn't get all of it back, but it does a good job doing that. And 
Uh, yeah, so we need Cena to at least come back one more time. Uh, whether he comes back changed or not, I think that still remains to be seen. I think it's a possibility that Elias is in the midst of a huge face turn. I think he came back. Jeff said, I did not hit you with the car. We know that's a fact that he did not hit him with the car. So we know that Elias is at least going to have a match with Jeff Hardy and then probably, in all likelihood, turn face. So if he has the match with Cena, considering the context of Cena interrupting Elias the past, you know, uh, not the past two years, but the the, the two previous years heading into WrestleMania, uh, to me it seems likely that we're going to get uh, or they're going to at least have discussions about doing face Elias versus a heel John Cena next year at WrestleMania. That, interesting, interesting. We'll see. I mean, Elias, is, he, he, he's got all the makings to be a megastar. And I, think, I think his album is going to do very well. And uh, we'll be reviewing that. We'll be, we'll, be, we'll be reviewing yeah. that next week. No doubt about it. Guys in WWE who I think when I look at them and I, and when I, and I say to myself, these guys have the charisma to have the entire uh, audience wrapped around their finger. There are very few guys who could do that. And among the active guys, I think it's it's a very, very short amount of people, right? Uh, and we've seen the last couple of months, Reigns has been tremendous at doing that. Uh, Rollins has been good at doing that. Uh, your guy, The Miz, for years and years, is one of the best at doing it. Uh, and I would, New Day? Guys, so the other guys I would include in that are obviously the New Day guys, which now includes Big E, and Big E's about to get a huge singles push. Uh, I think Bray Wyatt over the past couple of months has been the best he's ever been. And I think Alexa Bliss last night on Raw is the best she's looked in a really long time. That's really popular. Elias is now one of those guys. Uh, and, and, you know, after that list of names, it's really few and far between. You could list a guy like Kevin Owens there, but I don't think he's necessarily uh, been as big, per se. Uh, but that, that group of people there, that's a very short elite list of people. Uh, right now, those guys, you give them a microphone, or if you give them some screen time, uh, they they have the WWE universe wrapped around their and finger. Speaking and of the street profits too. So speaking of putting a microphone in somebody's hands and people paying attention, Charles Barkley, he's going to be teaming up with Phil Mickelson to take on Steph Curry and Peyton Manning in a golf event. The match, which will air on TNT. Uh, interesting. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential here with this, the match. Uh, it was only a matter of time before they got Steph Curry involved. Charles Barkley has been a broadcaster for all the events so far, so makes sense that he's going to get involved. Uh, what do you What do you think about this? And is it more fun to watch an event of this caliber than an actual golf event? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so we we know that the the event that they did previously with Brady and Manning did super high ratings and, and tiger the original tiger versus phil did great as well yes tiger versus phil did very good too so it seems like these kind of one-off uh celebrity or other athlete promoted uh golf event seem to do well uh, obviously the theory being that you know you could be a fan of golf but you know with the way the tour is structured on uh obviously you know true fans of golf like my friends uh, the the favorites and the the few favorites that they they root for uh obviously we like you know american boys like dustin johnson and jason spieth and and so on and so forth but i think the the appeal of having 
the the star athletes uh, doing golf events is, is significantly higher, and uh, and again, like I said, it just shows with the ratings. Right. So, uh, so I John, think, I want I want you I to think, give me. I'll I'll give you mine too. Uh, famous people with famous people with the name Cole who could do they could do a a Cole match, uh, a Cole golfing. So I think I'm gonna go with, of course, Michael Cole. Give me J. Cole, give me Garrett Cole, and I'll go with Cole Sprouse. That's the match I want to see. I'll put on the WWE Network or something. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a really, really great idea. Yeah, I think um, – I also think that a lot of – especially people who, who follow and love sports, one of the things that they don't really necessarily get enough of – is seeing their favorite athletes in a more normal situation outside of the like the sport that they play. So I think from that perspective, uh, you'll see a lot of people who tend to like watch basketball because they love watching Steph Curry, which is a lot of people. Obviously, he's a huge draw. Uh, I think those people who are interested in kind of seeing like their favorite guy uh, in a more normal situation would be more inclined to watch an event like that as opposed to just like a normal like PGA tour event. So, uh, and obviously everybody loves inside the NBA with, with Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Ernie Johnson, uh, one of the most well-liked sports shows of like broadcasting shows that there is, uh, to go along with the, the, the actual sport itself. Uh, Barkley is super popular, uh, super funny. So he, again, huge, huge crossover appeal. Uh, just to watch Charles Barkley, just to to watch Barkley being Barkley, right? So, uh, yeah. So it's just it's. I think it's harder for a casual person to to be fully invested uh, in a normal like regular PGA Tour event. Uh, it's a much easier sell to watch a golf event, watching your favorites just kind of like you know shoot the shit and 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 do stuff like that. So right, uh, Barkley, the gift of gab, of course, another guy who made a living with his voice, Doc Emmerich. He's retiring, Joe. I'm sure you're sad to see him go. Very. What is what is NBC going to do? Is Kenny Albert going to take over? And does that mean Kenny's going to be leaving the Rangers? What do you think is going to happen here? I think they should be go getting Gary Thorne, but I don't know what his contract situation is with the well, Orioles and ESPN. So obviously Gary Thorne used to be the voice of the NHL on ESPN and ABC for a really long time. Could be again Doc. soon. Could be again soon if that if ESPN gets that right that NHL deal. Uh, and then Doc became the de facto voice of the NHL for basically the past uh, fifteen years or so. Uh, he did most of the the major broadcasts. Obviously, broadcasted the Stanley Cup final for, uh, for twenty two years in some capacity. Uh, he was the the national broadcast voice on NBC. Uh, coming after the the, the lockout in four oh five, so he's basically been the voice of the NHL. Uh, remarkably good at what he does. Remarkably good, widely regarded uh, by people in all sports as one of the very best of all time. Uh, most people compared his impact and his likability and the way people love him to somebody like Vince Scully. Now, granted, Vince Scully is much more popular, obviously being the longtime voice of the Dodgers. So that's my probably little apples oranges. But uh, again, most people who watch sports know Doc Emmerich is one of the best. Uh, even if you don't watch hockey, you know 
uh, Doc Emmerich is the guy who's always using the sophisticated vocabulary and kind of trying to call things in different ways. Uh, super personable, super likable. Uh, my personal story regarding Doc is one of my really close friends uh, for 10 years or so, worked as the radio statistician for the New Jersey Devils, uh, worked for the Devils coming right out of St. John's. Uh, he developed a close relationship with all the Devils media people over the years, uh, left there about four or five years ago. Uh, but during his tenure with the Devils, mostly got to work with Doc Emmerich, obviously, in the booth. Uh, and it was Doc Emmerich, who he had dinner with coming out of St. John's, who liked my friend enough to put in the good word with the Devils ownership group and their high front office people at the time. Uh, basically told them, this kid is great, knows his stuff, give him a job, I want to work with him. Basically went out. Uh, and vouched for my friend and got him the job with the Devils. Right how did your top. How did your friend get a dinner with Doc Emmerich? Uh, it was basically, I think it was like school related, uh, and it was uh, it was just one of those opportunities. And so Doc ended up being there. I think it was something in Jersey, and Doc just kind of ended up being there, and nice. and, and obviously got to introduce him. He was really the only, I think, Devils fan, you know, among the 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 people he was surrounded with who were there at the dinner at the time. Uh, definitely the only one who, who was looking to get uh, into that, that line of work. So very fortunate that he got to meet Doc Emmerich. Uh, it was definitely a little luck by, you know, little chance at a little chance dinner, we'll say. And it worked out the best for him. Doc really uh, was the person who ended up, like I said, convincing everybody higher up to him that he wanted to work with this kid and to give him the job. So that just goes to show you how incredible a person he really is. Uh, you know, for that's for the people who, who know who he is but don't necessarily know simply how nice of a guy he is. Uh, I have a lot of people who I used to work with at the NHL, uh, a lot of the writers there. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a – I wouldn't say friendship, but I do uh, speak and, and share exchanges with Dan Rosen every now and then on Twitter. He's somebody who we have to get on the show. I'm going to try to work on it now that the season's over. Uh, maybe we'll try to get him heading into next season. But a lot of these guys have met Doc personally. And when we ever had conversations in the office regarding, you know, just who was the, the nicest person or the best person, uh, the number one to answer right immediately right off the bat was always Doc. Uh, so it's it's very, very legit. Uh, we're going to miss him. He's one of the most exceptional people who who's ever worked in sports, one of the most exceptional and talented people at his specific job who's ever worked in sports. Uh, yeah, I was very upset when I found out that he retired yesterday, but I, I definitely see uh, where he is at that point of his career. It's going to be very, very interesting to see who NBC, uh, possibly ESPN, if they, they rework their the deal and they get back in with the NHL. going to be very interesting to see who these lead play-by-play guys are going to be now. I think the NHL does definitely does have some options. Uh, I do like Kenny Albert. I think he's done a very good job doing Rangers radio. I think he does a really good job uh, doing the NHL stuff on NBC. Usually you kind of see him doing the the, the, the more popular series or the uh, the better series of the higher seed uh, out West, and he usually does the Western Conference Final. All right. So he definitely has some experience doing the, the, the bulk of the, the NHL's major work. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But, uh, Doc, I hope you enjoy retirement. I've never met you personally. I would love to meet you one day. Uh, you were tremendous at what you did. Uh, NHL fans love you. Hockey fans love you. You're amazing. You know, enjoy retirement. 
There you have it. Very well said. That's going to do it for this episode of You Know I'm Right. For Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick, and thank you for joining us in the zone for You Know I'm Right. Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.